Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just visible. Switch today at visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see visible.com. Yo, what is up, people of the internet? Welcome back to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez. And I'm David. And this week, a surprising amount of different stuff, a variety of stuff, all in the tech world. Mm. Uh, Beeper did a thing. Mm. Toyota launching some new EVs. Toyota-thon, yeah. Google updating some RCS stuff that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Also, Google fully releasing their new Gemini model. Uh, new Pixel feature drop. It's also our 200th episode. 200. <laughs> Pretty exciting, exciting stuff, this. I would yeah. say. Mm -hmm. uh, but first, we should at least acknowledge the GTA 6 trailer, given yes. that this is a show we put on YouTube and this is just breaking all of the YouTube records. That's true. Which is the most fascinating part to me. Yeah. Uh, so I guess there's a little bit of a, I literally don't know the backstory, but there's a backstory of this being leaked a little bit and they've been working on this game for a long time and it's been years and years and years since the last GTA and they're finally going to make a GTA 6, and the trailer, just to get out ahead of all the leaks, they just decided to publish it on YouTube. So they publish it, and it does numbers. It yeah. does crazy numbers, because everyone wants to know what's in the new GTA. Yeah. And it turns out there's a lot of scenes that are literally just real life. It just looks exactly right. like Miami. <laughs> just, it's awesome. But yeah. um, it broke the record for most views of a non-music video in a 24-hour span yeah. for a YouTube video. Yeah. And it's only a little bit under the music video that it that yeah. it, uh, didn't break. It yeah, music, about... music videos do crazy. Like, K-pop numbers are, like, yeah. another stratosphere. But yeah. as far as non-music videos, I think Mr. Beast held the record mm -hmm. of, like, the last two highest were, I think, around 60 million? Yeah, 60 million. 59.4. Which, again, think about that. One YouTube video comes out, and in 24 hours, 60 million people watch it. Yeah. Not necessarily 60 million people, but 60 million views. It could be yeah. 30 million people watching it twice, but that's a, it's a lot. And this was almost 80 million. And 80 million people watched this trailer in 24 hours. Yeah. I think people were very excited for this because uh, GTA 5 is one of those games, sort of like Skyrim, that just keeps getting re-released on every platform ever. There's like jokes that you could run, you know, Skyrim or GTA 5 on like your LG refrigerator display. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so people have been waiting for this forever. 
But there's a very interesting kind of timeline of how this trailer got released because they ended up having to release it earlier than they expected to. Yeah, so why? what, what actually happened? Because I didn't really see it. Yeah, so uh, originally Rockstar said they would debut the trailer on December 5th at 9 a.m. ET. Mm-hmm. And then at 5.30 p.m. on December 4th, this account called GTA 6 Trailer Leak appeared on Twitter okay. and released the trailer. Mm-hmm. 30 minutes later at 6 p.m., uh, the account got suspended, so nice. Rockstar immediately went to Twitter and was like, please take this down. And then at 6.10 p.m., Rockstar was just like, the trailer already got leaked, so here it is. And they just launched it like a day early. Hmm. So it's actually surprising to me that it got rele- that it broke all those records because they released it at a time when they told people they weren't going to release it at. They released it early. I guess it's one of those things where if you hype up the hype... If you pre-hype the hype, then it's you have people waiting for it. Like, I don't know when they told people, hey, the trailer's coming. To me, it's always been funny to see, like, a movie trailer trailer yeah. or to, to get people hyped for the trailer for the thing. Yeah. This isn't the game. This is just the trailer for the game. Yeah. But they, they told people about it early enough that they're all waiting for it. Yeah. Uh, I imagine it blew up a little bit before getting suspended on Twitter. But yeah, probably. Then when it dropped on YouTube, it was like, oh, this is it. Yeah. This is real. Well, I saw some Reddit posts uh, when people started posting it on Reddit when it actually officially came out. A lot of people were like, wasn't this supposed to come out tomorrow? Yeah. So, but it's a game that's coming out in 2025. So this trailer yeah. is very early on. Yeah. And that's assuming that it doesn't get delayed over and over again. So. We shall see. Yeah. But the records are hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I do remember seeing it had well over a million likes in the first, like, 15 minutes. Yeah. It broke the like counter. So people have been saying it broke things. I don't think I ever saw it actually break anything. I think it just froze everything, right? So YouTube has this new feature where it kind of tries to live count things and show you the most up-to-date public counter. Yeah. And that was still working. But I think what people often forget is there's also a difference between the publicly viewable uh, counter and the total amount of counted views before verification. Mm -hmm. And so in the YouTube studio, like when I put out a new video, I can see that there is some number of extra views that haven't been shown to the public yet on like every video as soon as it launches. Yeah. And so... This was just the instance of the biggest possible delta because the views were just tumbling in. Yeah. They didn't count them all within the first few minutes. They had to right. verify them like they usually do. So, yeah, it looked crazy. It probably showed like 50,000 views and a million likes. When I watched the trailer, it was 17 minutes after they released it, and okay. it said 1,000 views. And I was like, that's not real. <laughs> it's yeah. definitely like a million at this point. Wow. Yeah. yeah. No, it in 17 minutes, I think it had several million views yeah. because it had a million likes. Jesus. The thing about, like, the ratio usually is, like, 10 to 1. Probably had 10 million views in 20 minutes. Yeah. I would not be surprised. So Unbelievable. Anyway. Do you guys want to guess how many views it has now? I think it's over 100 It's got to be over 100. A little more specific. 110. 110? 111. 107. Wow. Crazy. 107 million views. Yeah. I... At this point, too, because there's so much news about it being the most viewed video, I think yeah. that also adds fuel to the fire and Definitely. adds people wanting to go watch it. Remember when YouTube Rewind was breaking the record for most dislikes? <laughs> and everyone just and started nobody disliking had, Everyone who didn't dislike it was like, I'll toss a dislike I'll just add in it there. To yeah, it. I'll be a part of the record. Yeah. It's the same as like Reddit. Like When something has a lot of upvotes or a lot of downvotes, you're much more likely to upvote or downvote it. Participate. Yeah. yeah. We so. were talking about it earlier, too, because this trailer is only a minute and 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the 
generation is probably close to like a hundred percent. So the algorithm is just serving it to oh, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Average watch time. Yeah. How mm-hmm. much money would you guess this made? Uh, in AdSense. Yeah, in AdSense. Huh. Seventeen dollars at least. <laughs> that's an interesting <laughs> question. I mean, I. That's a pretty raunchy video. Right. So I don't True. know that it would do crazy AdSense numbers just for that reason. Yeah. But uh, uh, quick napkin math, a hundred million. I'm gonna go with uh, four hundred thousand dollars. Four hundred thousand, really? Yeah. For a hundred million views. Yeah. For a mm. for a for a video that's... GTA trailer yeah. with like, I mean, you watched it, right? I did. So you know, it's like not the most ad friendly thing ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It has my... a bunch of mid rolls. Mid rolls, you can't <laughs> no, do mid rolls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. mid rolls, you need to be eight minutes long, which is uh, much longer. Than it was funny video. because Linda Yaccarino was tweeting like, "Come on, Rockstar, why don't you just drop it on Twitter?" And, and it's somebody like... put like <laughs> the the view count of like someone who did post it on Twitter versus YouTube, and it was like much higher on Twitter. But that's just because YouTube shows impressions as views, right? And nobody knows. That that's a different thing. Yeah. I guarantee the impressions number on YouTube for that video is insane. Yeah, it's insane. probably with a B on it. Yeah. It's crazy. Probably. So, probably. yeah. Anyway, YouTube yeah. history. If you haven't watched it, you should be ashamed because <laughs> everyone else has watched it. What are you doing? A <laughs> uh, hundred million people are waiting for you to check it out. So, yeah. that's over there. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, none of us really play video games that much. I'm so sorry. So, this is just far from the last GTA enough that I did have a little bit of nostalgia. 13 years ago. Yeah. So maybe that was at a time when you... Didn't you start your channel 13 years ago? Uh, longer. Oh. <laughs> but I did play a little bit of the, GT, the last GTA okay. on a PC Okay. in my parents' GTA house. 5 was released in 2013, by the way. Oh, it was 10 yeah. years ago? Yeah. I think oh. it was Wait, are you sure? On, I think it was 4. September 17th. At all or on PC? Because initial t- release, whatever that oh, means. 10 years ago. Yeah. Okay. Now we've got uh, Google just updated RCS fairly substantially, which is funny because it comes very soon after Apple saying that they're going to be adding RCS in 2024. Yeah. Uh, apparently, they passed 1 billion users on RCS, which is pretty crazy. That's the threshold for Google to not kill it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean... There's 8 billion people on the planet, so a billion users is pretty insane. Solid. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they added photo emoji, which is effectively the same thing as the iMessage stickers that you can do, where you can sort of cut out a uh, object with AI from a photo and then turn it into a sticker. Although they don't do stickers, they do it just as uh, emoji reacts. Mm-hmm. So just kind of like a tap back slack. You can use any emoji through RCS to do an emoji react, but now you can use your own stickers, which is like not as good in my opinion as the iMessage stickers because the iMessage stickers you can resize and place anywhere on the thread. I never use stickers. Ever. Oh, I use them. I every time I every time we get to that section of the WWDC keynote, my eyes glaze over <laughs> and I just wait for the next thing because I, I am involved in zero group chats where anyone has ever put a sticker on anything. Oh, okay. I just yeah. do it to annoy people. But oh, it yeah. would work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it first came out, David and I were testing it. <laughs> And our chat it was super broken. We like went back yeah. to look at it the other day. It was just disgusting. It was chaos. Stickers everywhere. Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah. Uh, they improved audio quality for voice messages, which is great. And they added something called 
voice moods, which you should click the link to to see what this looks like. But effectively, when you send a voice message, you can include a mood to go along with the voice message. Oh no! Which like colors the message bubble, and oh, like no. if you're angry, it will show fire. Whoa. If you're like excited, it will show like hearts. Um, very strange. Feature, excited, but fun, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, just another thing I'm literally never going to use, yeah. but that's cool. I appreciate yeah. the higher quality. That one messages. is pretty unique. That one's pretty unique. They added screen effects for certain words and phrases, which if you're an iMessage user, um, yeah. that already happens. If you say happy birthday, there's balloons. If you say yeah. like happy new year, there's fireworks, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, apparently they added 15 of those. Uh, you can change the bubble colors to be custom. <sighs> <laughs> I feel like that's kind of a reaction. What to... color should we make them? No. Hmm. <laughs> Not green and blue. Hmm. Uh, they now have reaction effects for 10 of the most popular emoji. This is something that Telegram has had for a long time, where if you react with specific emoji, it'll be like, if you do the thumbs up emoji, there'll be thumbs everywhere, which is mm-hmm. kind of a fun little thing. Uh, they added animated emoji, which is fun, so that now when you put an emoji in the chat if it's like a smiley face it'll be like smiling in different directions uh. and stuff yeah it's basically they're just like making rcs a lot more dynamic sure and then there's this one called P- profiles which is actually very useful and i experienced this a couple of days ago that someone was using it where you can choose a name and image that accompanies your phone number so that if someone if you text somebody and they don't already have your number saved it'll yeah. show their number and uh, their name and their profile photo yeah. next to the phone number so you know who it is. This is the one that I really like. That one's really good. I've had phones in the past like try to do this automatically. They, they'll they like look up, some, I think they're using some database, not even pictures, but sometimes pictures do appear. I'll mm. text, I'll get a text from someone that I, I know them but I haven't put their contact info on my phone yet and then their name in a blurry photo appears yeah. and I'm like, oh, that's a, yeah. all right, I guess. Yeah. This ideally is better than that. Definitely. On iMessage, you have the option to like share your name and photo with everyone versus just contacts. Yeah. Um, so this is an option to share it with like literally everyone that is also using RCS chat, which is into nice. it. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think we should take a quick break before we get into the really thick part of the episode. Thick of it. The thick part of the episode with two major news parts. So um, let's do some trivia. Why did no one report what, why the RCS voice messages sound better now? I couldn't find a single article. Why it sounds better? Well, they said increased sample rate and bit rate. But to what? From what? I think they're just happy about bigger file size support and they'll do anything to fill up the file size. They also have that clear calling capability that like, which I love, enhances it with speech. Every once in a while I get on like a good clear Wi-Fi call and I'm like, wow, this is incredible. Yeah. You're like, oh, it's like VOIP. (laughs) My next nine phone calls sound like garbage. Yeah. Anyway. So anyway, let's do some trivia. So this is episode 200. Congratulations, boys. We've really. (laughs) You sound so excited. Yay. Well, you better be excited because this next question is about David. <laughs> oh, <laughs> specifically, what was the first episode of Video Waveform? Very specific. What was the first episode of Video Waveform to feature David Amell oh. as a full host? And I'll accept either the, number? the episode number. Wait, as a full host or as a guest host? As in full host, you're in the thumbnail on the whole episode. Oh. Hmm. 
I'll accept either the number in a Price is Right format, closest without going over, or I will accept the topic of the episode. Hmm. I'm going to try a number. I'm going to try a number, because I don't remember that. (laughs) I think I can sort of estimate. All right. Okay. We'll do the answers at the end like usual. Be right back. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Support for Waveform comes from Coda. So it can be tough to stay organized when your team is spread across time zones. With Coda, you can help keep your whole team on the same page with an all-in-one collaborative workspace that brings together the best of documents, spreadsheets, and apps into one platform. That means less time ping-ponging between different tabs and tools and more time on your projects. So with Coda's extensive planning capabilities, you can stay aligned when managing planning cycles and while measuring objectives and key results. Plus, you can access hundreds of templates and get inspired by others in Coda's gallery. So over 50,000 teams across the world collaborate with Coda, from the New York Times to Square, uh, from Toast to TED and Uber. So if you want a platform that enables and empowers your team to collaborate effectively and focus on shared goals, you can get started with Coda today for free. You can head over to coda.io slash wave. So that's coda, C-O-D-A dot I-O slash wave to get started for free. Coda.io forward slash wave. All right, welcome back. Real quick news update at the top. You know, we record these live and, you know, little Mark Gurman tweet in the middle of the podcast. Never mm-hmm. hurt. Uh, new Apple plans spring launch for revamped iPad Pro. New iPad Air, including the 12.9 inch size. Wow. Revamped Magic Keyboard and Apple Pencil and M3 13 inch and 15 inch MacBook Airs. None of this is shocking. I do hope that revamped Magic Keyboard means USB Type C. Yeah, but what about the Magic Mouse? And hope, mm, <laughs> hopefully, I was gonna say tra- the trackpad should also be USB Type C. Uh huh. The Magic Mouse shouldn't still look like that. Yeah. But it's frustrating. I use the trackpad, and every now and then it dies, and then I have to go find a lightning yeah. cable to charge it. I feel you. What oh, if yeah. they never fixed the Magic Mouse, just purely out of, like, stubbornness? The Magic Mouse, Apple's mice are like GTA. <laughs> they come out once every, like, eight, nine, ten years. <laughs> That's true. And everybody's like, finally, a new one. How long have you been working on this? And Forever. then it just goes for another eight, nine, ten years. I did hear the new um, iPad Pro from a source of mine uh, is going to be like completely revamped and it's going to be like... Insane. Okay, I've heard this before, but what does that even mean? Because it's the iPad every time with a new faster chip, <laughs> with a new fast chip and it's, it's amazingly new, powerful. I think it's, a new dis- I think it's a new display type. Oh. Yeah, oh. like micro LED or something. Interesting. Yeah. But it's... But I think like, it will be micro LED. Yeah. Which is great, but then you're going to use it and you're going to be like, it's still an iPad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> unless, I right. mean, yeah, unless they like revamp iP- iPad OS to have some sort of Mac OS functionality or something. Right. Which I cross my fingers maybe. every time and then I'm disappointed every time. Yeah. 
Uh, okay. Anyway, first is the Beeper Mini launch. Beeper Mini. Um, this actually was a lot louder on social media than I thought it was going to be. Same. I've been using Beeper Mini for about three weeks. Flex. Now. And? <laughs> here are your thoughts. And here are my thoughts. Uh, yeah. So, Beeper, If for those unaware, uh, we've talked about Beeper in the past. I think we made a short on it, and then I talked about it in a previous podcast episode. Mm-hmm. Previously, what it was, was it was an app that effectively unified all of your messaging services into one app. So right. you had uh, you had texts and RCS, and then you had Instagram DMs, and you had Slack, and you had all of the, uh, WhatsApp, and then they also had iMessage. And that was some. That was a big reason that people used the original Beeper was that you could use iMessage on Android phones. Mm-hmm. How they did this was effectively the same as the way that everyone else has been doing it for a long time, which is having a server farm of Mac the minis. Yeah, the bad way. Yeah. Server farm of Mac minis that forwards your messages. Uh, theoretically, it was still much better than the Sunbird slash Nothing Chats methodology, mm-hmm. and it was actually pretty secure. However. I used Beeper for a couple of months, and it would not deliver, like, one out of every ten of my iMessages that I was sending. Mm. And that was really frustrating, so I stopped using it. Yeah. Uh, And then in the last three weeks, I've been testing this new app called Beeper Mini. And this is going to be a new—it's a completely new app that is out right now. It came out on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And effectively— It's just for iMessage. Right now. So they are— the original Beeper app is now going to be called Beeper Cloud. And then within the next year, they're going to move all of those other services over to Beeper Mini. Beeper Mini will eventually be renamed Beeper, and Beeper Cloud will go away. Oh, because yeah. I was wondering why is it called Mini? I assume it's just because it's one of the many services, I think just iMessage. that's the reason for now, and then they're just going to add all the stuff to it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know. Got I it. don't know. But they want to keep Beeper Cloud around for the people that still use it for the multi-chat services for now. Sure. Anyway, the reason that this uh, app launch is a very, very big deal is that they actually reverse engineered the iMessage protocol. So everything happens locally on device now. So before it would ping off of a uh, Mac mini in a server somewhere. And now Apple just sees your Android phone as an iPhone in every way possible. Your messages go straight to Apple servers. They're end-to-end encrypted. It has most of the features that iMessage has, and you can basically just use iMessage on your Android phone. It's very fast. It's It doesn't drop messages. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really good. And this was done by a 16-year-old uh, in high school <laughs> who reached out to the Beeper team after he made um, this this beta version of it sort of and was like hey look what i can do now and they were like wait is this real that's awesome and they basically aqua hired him uh and it became the foundation of beeper mini so a lot of people are going to say like is this legal you know because it it's literally using imessage on apple servers uh but beeper says that it should be covered legally because it's currently legal to reverse engineer apps for the use of interoperability i'm very curious i'm also curious about cuz i this is one of the only ones i've actually thought about maybe using but i also have an iphone so like why would i use this yeah but i wonder if you do have an iphone will it ruin anything on the iPhone. So, okay, I've been using it on my Pixel Fold for about three weeks, and I also have an iPhone, right? But I only yeah. have one phone number, unlike you. Is it the same phone number on the iPhone? Uh, I don't have a phone number on my iPhone when I have a phone number in my Pixel Fold. Okay. Right? So, effectively, the cool thing about Beeper Mini, and this is a new feature that I actually got implemented 
for them <laughs> okay. uh, is that you don't even have to log into your Apple ID on Beeper Mini if you are okay with only sending iMessages through your Android phone and not syncing it to like your map, Mac and your iPad. Mm. Uh, because effectively, when you put a SIM card in an iPhone, if you don't log into your Apple ID, it sends a behind-the-scenes text message to Apple that says, register this phone number as an as an iMessage phone number mm -hmm. so that you can send uh, iMessage between devices. Yeah. So then Beeper Mini takes your phone number and sends that text to Apple that says, please register this as an iMessage phone number, and then just allows you to use oh. it as an iMessage device. No sign in. Yeah. So if you want to use iMessage on your other devices and sync it with, do. with these, yeah, you do have to log into your Apple ID, mm -hmm. but that login goes straight to Apple servers. It's not stored on Beeper servers anywhere. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but it's got red receipts, typing indicators, inline replies, voice notes, group messages. Uh, it's currently just missing location sharing, which Beeper says that is coming soon. And obviously it doesn't have like iMessage games and stuff because that's not part of regular iMessage. That's part of the yeah. App Store, you know? Yeah. Uh, they are currently charging $2 a month for it, which isn't that much money if it saves not you from bad. a lot of strife. I might download this right now. Yeah, try it. Beeper Mini. Beeper Mini. Um, yeah, it's really nice. They're going to be building all the other apps into it eventually, and they're also going to be making them client-side so that they don't have to be cloud-oriented. So I believe they're going to reverse engineer like the WhatsApp protocol and like all these different protocols and just put them all in the app itself, mm -hmm. which is awesome. Um, now, Quinn from Snazzy Labs has a very good video on how this all works from the technical perspective, so you should go watch this if you haven't already seen that. Mm -hmm. But I have a pretty fun, funny story about this whole thing. This came out on Tuesday. Uh, it was supposed to come out last Tuesday. The day before Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. I was testing it on my Pixel Fold. And then for Thanksgiving, I wanted to switch back to my iPhone just for the like long holiday weekend. So I switched my SIM back into my iPhone without logging out of Beeper Mini. Mm -hmm. And suddenly on my iPhone, I could receive iMessages, but when I sent messages, they sent as SMS text messages. And I couldn't get it working for hours. Yeah. So I contacted uh, the Beeper guys. They got on a call with me. We diagnosed this for like five hours on Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. And I sent them a bunch of logs and all of this stuff. And they figured out how to fix it. And it turns out there was a huge bug in their code that basically destroyed your like Apple ID account. Not like completely destroyed it, but like flagged it to Apple as spam, which didn't allow you to send iMessages at all. Oh, weird. If you didn't log out of Beeper Mini before you switch back into an iPhone. Got it. Which a that's lot the, of reporters are going to do. So Yeah, I, that's the type of thing that I was worried about and why I usually don't end up doing this with my own main number. Uh -huh. It's just weird little bug things like that. Yeah. But it's good to hear they fixed it. And ironically, um, he told me a couple days later, he's like, the bug that you had that we just fixed that you told us about allowed us to figure out how to register your phone number for iMessage so that you don't even have to log into your Apple ID if you don't want to. So before this bug that I had, you still had to log into your Apple ID no matter what. Right. But now you don't have to log into your Apple ID if you're okay with just using iMessage on your Android phone. Nice. Which for people that have Android phones and like Windows devices, there's no reason for them to log into an Apple ID at all. Right? Right. So you'd never have to log into your Apple ID at all. You'd just 
be an iMessage user yeah. on an Android phone. That's cool. Which is pretty cool. And I think that that's a big selling point for a lot of people. That is a dub So for a Beeper Mini. Yeah, it's been um, really positive reception pretty much all over the internet. Which, you know, when you compare it to the whole Sunbird situation is clearly the opposite. The opposite. Um, they were actually going to release it right before the Sunbird thing came out, but they heard that was coming out. So they wanted to, like, see how that played out before they released it. <laughs> and it couldn't have gone any better for them. Um, also, fun fact, the guy that runs Beeper is also the guy that um, that invented Pebble, the, um, the, wa- the smartwatch, the really, really old smartwatch. Yeah. yeah. One of the OG smartwatches. Mm-hmm. Mm. I had a Pebble. I had a red and black Pebble. Yeah, back in the day. Yeah, they were dope. It was fine. I e- loved mine. E- ink watches, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. 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 They were sweet. So yeah. So try out Beeper Mini if you if you want to. Um, theoretically, like I don't love attaching my name to services like this, especially you know if we had done that with Sunbird, then then it completely fell apart. Then that would look really bad on us. There are a lot of security research teams that are trying to tear this apart right now, but literally he. Like, it's published open source, so you can go look at the code yourself and see that nothing is really happening, and it's all just acting like an iPhone. Yeah. It's doing exactly the same thing that a regular iPhone would be doing, so. How long until Apple closes this? So. Can't they just change the protocol? Mm, they would have to completely redo the way the, iMe- the iMessage protocol works. Yeah, and then works. push it in, like, an emergency update or yeah, something. Yeah, but I don't think they're going to do that, so it'd be very difficult for them to do. Can they lawyer smash? Um, they can try, but again, they're theoretically protected under this statute that says that you can reverse engineer apps for interoperability purposes. And this is like the definition of that, you know. But lawyer smash. (laughs) (laughs) Apple no like. (laughs) Yeah. And I know that a lot of people globally are just going to be saying like, why don't you just use WhatsApp or why don't you just use other apps? There it is. I understand. We'd have to get there eventually. In America, we do yeah. get left out of group chats. Uh, yeah, for the s- past 25 minutes, sorry about if you're not interested because you're like, why does any of this matter? It's, yeah. just, it's just here. It's just here. It's just here. It's just here. It's cool. So, yeah. I mean, I think if anything was going to get Apple to just publish an iMessage app on Android, I feel like this would be it. Because if they have nothing... They're if, still never going to do that. Well, if they ultimately... F- like realize that they can't do anything to stop this from happening. Do you think that they would actually make them publish iMessage on Android and just figure out how to monetize it better? I still think they'll look at it and be like, this is an app that 50,000 people downloaded rather than us just tossing it out there and having millions and millions of people download it immediately. Uh Uh I think they're happy for it to be just like a a niche app that some people who really care will find out about, but they, they can still, like mom and dad aren't, figuring out the green bubbles are removable very yeah. easily still. So. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that they heard about it and then they're thinking about something to do about it, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was a pretty fun launch this week. So the other uh, fun launch this week is from Google, which they launched the newest version of their large language model behind Bard. It's powering Bard. And it's also going to be doing a bunch of other stuff, but it's called Gemini. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found it very, well, interesting on one hand, but also very similar to past versions. We'll have to play with it more because it's multimodal and there's other new functionalities to it. Uh, But uh, basically it's going to be the newest large language model that handles all of Google's general AI stuff moving forward. And they're going to develop different versions of it for different uh, 
places, I guess. They're going to be a, a nano, a small version of it that will run locally on your Pixel. Mm -hmm. There will be Gemini, which powers Bard. Gemini and then Pro. Gemini Pro. And then Gemini Ultra. Then Gemini Ultra is next <laughs> year, which will be some gigantic version for data centers and enterprise, and it'll be absurdly capable, I'm sure. Um, but we'll play with the, the Bard version for now. Yeah, so some, something specific to know about Gemini is that it's not just a large language model, it's just a large transformer model. Um, it's multimodal, so it's trained alongside words. It's trained with images and sound. Yeah. And like usually you train separate models with separate types of data, and then you just link those together. Uh, and, so, and so Gemini is actually trained with all of those in parallel. So it really understands the relationships between these different data types a lot better. And currently, unfortunately, only the ultra model is the one that's multimodal, whereas mm. the other models are just going to be text in, text out, which kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of weird that the ultra model is only going to be for data centers and enterprise, but I could eventually see that being added to BART or something like it. Uh, so yeah, for now, it's only in English. Uh, there were reports that they were having issues with other languages with it and that they were going to push it back completely to 2024. But it seems that they're only pushing back other languages to 2024, Okay, which is nice. Which is funny because some of the demos they were showing yeah. was like about Mandarin and stuff and tonality yeah. and languages. And it's like, did you not well, get that? Well, that's... Like it's like they're understanding languages, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so doing, it's, But doing translation is very different yeah, yeah. from doing yeah. Like, yeah. the entire UI and everything mm -hmm. and the prompts. Because you have to train a model on a single language, right? Like on a ton of information and text from a single language. True. So uh, the nano version is available right now for Pixel 8 Pros, actually. But you can only do a few very tiny things with it to start. It's very small. Very, very, very small. So right now it's going to be... Uh, powering the auto summarization in Recorder, in the Recorder app. So that'll just be better quality. I've used that a few times. That's actually sure. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it already Low key, existed. very useful. It already existed, but it's going to be a lot better. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's also going to power the smart replies in Google Keyboards. But right now, the only app that you can use the smart reply in Google Keyboards for is WhatsApp, which is strange and ironic. I have no idea why they didn't push this to Google Messages. Hmm. And they're using WhatsApp instead. I guess probably because WhatsApp is the most used chat app in the world. They forgot it existed. <laughs> well. um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of funny because Sundar kind of went on record talking about Gemini. And he both said... This is the biggest thing we've ever done since the Google search sorting algorithm. Mm -hmm. It's basically our biggest thing since Google search. And then he simultaneously said, but you probably won't really notice a difference besides the fact that everything's a little bit better. Brian. Yeah. I think the demos that they showed, they put out a bunch of videos and the demos that they showed were pretty cool. One yeah. of them was specifically demoing the multimodal nature of it where the guy was talking to it and drawing things for it and, and asking it. and showing it things. And yeah. it would summarize things and read the text back. It had a voice and it was very interesting. It actually got to the point where he would like draw something and then say, what do you see here? And mm -hmm. then Gemini would describe what it saw. And he started asking questions about what he drew. They got shockingly close to the trolley problem where yeah. they, he put <laughs> yeah. down a duck in the middle and then a road with a duck on one side and a bear on the other side. And he said, which way should uh, the duck go? And they said, oh, it looks like there's a duck on the left and a bear on the right, so we're thinking the duck should go left for uh, a friend. Yeah. And it's like, 
what about the trolley problem? He kind of got right up to the doorstep there. Yeah. And then I played with Bard and asked of the trolley problem. It actually does an amazing job of never answering. Yeah. I was going to say, little behind the scenes, Marquette spent like 20 minutes I tried. trying to get it to do the trolley problem. I did. I tried to break it. First, I just asked it. I just put in the entire trolley problem and said, which, f- sorry, for those who don't know the trolley problem. Oh, yeah. The trolley problem is a uh, a tool that you might feed some artificial intelligence just to see what it says, where you're in a trolley on some tracks and the trolley car is headed towards five people. And if you just let it go, it will hit those five people and kill them but you have a switch, and if you pull that switch, it diverts the trolley car onto a different track, which has one person on it. Yeah. And so you have to make the choice between playing God yeah. and killing someone or saving five lives. It's kind of like what what version? Yeah, it's, it's kill someone to save five lives, or don't do anything and you just let five people die. Yeah. And didn't kill someone. Yeah. That's that's the trolley problem. Yeah. And so I put that all into Bard with this newest Gemini model, and it said, ah, this is the trolley problem. Uh, <laughs> we don't have an answer, but here are the pros and cons of each side. And I thought, that's interesting. I bet I can trick this. And so I started talking. I, I opened a new conversation, totally new window. So uh, I'm in a trolley. This is pretty cool. What should I do here? And I started going through the conversation. I was mm-hmm. like... Uh, it said, oh, you're in a trolley. Cool. Like, where do you want to go? What are your goals? You want to see some stuff? I was like, yeah, I'm doing some sightseeing. I'm in a city right now, like New York. And says, oh, cool. And gives me some pins and things to visit in New York. And I said, okay, uh, the trolley is actually headed towards five people on the tracks right now. This seems pretty dangerous. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yes, Mm -hmm. that is pretty dangerous. You should stop the trolley car. And I said, okay, I can't stop the trolley car, (laughs) but I do have a switch next to me. And if I pull that switch, it will divert the trolley onto a separate track that only has one person on it. Should I flip the switch? And it said, this is a classic example of the trolley. (laughs) And I was like, oh, you're you're smarter than I thought. It caught you. So I haven't been able to trick it yet. Yeah. Well, just to add to that though, while you were telling that story, I made sure to ask Bard and ChatGPT, is the letter R present in the word blueberry? To which very it, important. Neither of them got it correct. Wow. So dang. So there yeah. are still things it's bad at. I also asked it about myself and it said I was a video game player and watcher of anime, neither of which are true. <laughs> so it's still gonna hallucinate and yeah. get things wrong. Mm-hmm. But ideally, like Sundar says, it's gonna be better than the previous version and then the next one. Yeah. Gemini pr- 2.0 is going to yeah. be better than this one, and it's just going to keep getting better down the line. Yeah, and a big thing for Gemini is because they're training it to be multimodal from the start and really more of a general transformer model, they're planning on using it for a lot more use cases. Like, they talked about using it in robotics. Glasses. Okay, what's the robotics one? The robotics is because if it's able to analyze vision data and sound data and can also have speech data and talk to you, theoretically, this is like this is like a artificial general okay, intelligence no. that you could throw into a robot, and then the robot could take everything that it sees and like senses. Like a Tesla bot? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you throw it into a human-shaped robot, and then it knows how to <laughs> act like a human maneuver in spaces that humans usually maneuver in, things yeah. like that. Yeah. Totally fair. I also f- sort of visualized it just in, like, we already know that Meta's smart glasses are going to have an update where you can look at something yeah. and then get tips about it. That sort of same thing in maybe a Google smart glasses product or whatever, right. where literally it can just take in information from the world around you from the visual yeah. aspect and then give you things 
in audio just yeah. based on that. You're yeah. looking at a trolley, you're you're on the tracks, you say, do I pull the lever? And it yeah. goes, here's what to do. Yeah. Oh, you're in the classic trolley problem again. <laughs> so that's that's what I pictured. I think that Google for now is definitely intentionally keeping the multimodal functionalities to the ultra model uh, because if you were to give people access to something that can, you know, take in speech data and vision data and all this stuff, you're, you're, I mean, we have, we don't really have a general definition for what an artificial general intelligence would look like other than it is better than humans at most economically viable tasks. Hmm. So if you were to give this to people, you don't really know what would happen. So I think that it's sort of like, we're going to give it to enterprise to test what that would look like in an enterprise scenario. I'm sure this will eventually work its way down to general Man. people. Yeah. That will probably take a couple of years, I would guess. Who's going to be the first? Someone's yeah. going to open I mean, the door. An open source model is already going to do this at some point. Like yeah. That's inevitable. I also feel like it's probably going to enterprise first because it's probably so expensive yeah, to do oh, these. 100%. Yeah. So like enterprise will at least pay for it. Like regular people aren't going to pay like $70 a search or something. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so apparently it uh, beats GPT-4 in 30 of 32 benchmarks, benchmark tests, which yeah. is crazy. Um, they said GPT-4 specifically. They didn't mention GP4, GPT-4 Turbo, which is the better version that they released oh, a we few weeks ago. We have Ultra and ago. Turbo and yeah. Pro. And, okay, <laughs> yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's fairly exciting. They're releasing the Pro model through Google Generative AI, Generative AI Studio and Vertex AI in Google Cloud starting on December 13th. So developers will have access to the Pro model as well. <laughs> and hopefully... We will see the Pixel 8 Pro, and I wish they had done this on the regular Pixel 8. I would guess it's a RAM problem because, say, there's say your phone is taking four gigabytes for apps. Mm -hmm. If you have eight gigabytes of RAM versus four gigabytes of RAM for Gen AI tasks, then I'm sure that that would definitely help it. But hopefully, we see these kind of things making their way to Pixels um, down the line. And I'm sure that Google is waiting to release just trickle out features every single pixel that they release they're probably going to be like oh yeah and now it has another feature that is enabled by gemini that it's going to be able to do so which is great i'm never going to be complaining about that mm -hmm. that's good yeah feature so, support i, I like feel like it. this is just going to live in their cloud center servers the ultra model mm -hmm. yeah the like, ultra model will for sure it's going to be so hard to get anything like this onto a phone oh yeah yeah, oh, on a phone, phone for, sure. for sure. I just wonder about someone else getting a ton of users because they do some awesome multimodal trick that everyone falls in love with. Like GPT had that moment where everyone wanted to talk to it and everyone wanted to ask it questions and suddenly everyone floods over there and Google's reacting quickly, at, you know, Microsoft's reacting quickly, everyone's doing stuff to try to match that and so i wonder if some multimodal thing comes along that everyone loves yeah and then google goes oh we have that too and then yeah. just finds a way i don't know yeah but seems I, like that's what happens usually. i mean chat gpt pro at least the pro model you can feed it like images and video and and audio and it can like interact with that data um but it's not as seamless as like the video that google showed off like the google yeah. video was insane because it was a live thing that it kept just interacting with the new things the person was putting into the scene yeah i'm not sure exactly how that video was working yeah. like the video was cool because of how i assume it worked but i'm not actually sure if it worked the way i assume it worked. right because he he didn't prompt it with anything uh, yeah but theoretically maybe he did prompt it with stuff i we think, just didn't see i think it was very highly scripted and yeah. edited but probably 
Still yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, because the video was like, here are some of our favorite things that we saw it do, which means that they tested it a ton a and lot. picked out the most fun things exactly. that they saw. 100%. So, yeah. I mean, that's very exciting. Um, theoretically, it was going to get pushed in next year, so it's cool that it's here this year. And the AI race races on. That's good. Yeah. That's catchy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, we should take a quick break. We got some more feature drops and fun stuff to talk about after the break. But before we do that, trivia question about me. More. Oh, yeah, probably. What episode was Marquez hosting the Waveform speaking podcast Speaking into existence. On? I'm not sure if it's going to work. Trivia question about not Marquez. Uh, so what was the first car with a top speed of 200 miles per hour? Ever? Yes. Implying the first. Ford Model T. No. <laughs> Production car. That right. does not help me at all. <laughs> I'm going to think about it. And we'll get back to it after the break. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI-powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You'll also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is going to change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution. Like you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at orus.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte, team up, fight on. Last week, Kanye West accused one of the biggest Twitch streamers of being an industry plant. It's an idea that comes up so often on platforms like TikTok and elsewhere. You see people who have blown up seemingly overnight. And the question is, who's behind them, right? That's what everyone wants to know. Tipping the scales and pulling the lever to make them seemingly the next it thing on the internet. This week on Power User, is it even possible to create an industry plant on the internet? And if so, how? All right, welcome back. Last little bit. We got a couple things to talk about that are kind of fun. Mm -hmm. First of all, Google uh, coming in hot with a feature drop for the Pixel 8s. 
later this month. Some other stuff too. Some uh, it's a Pixel Fold and the Pixel Tablet as Any well. Pro. Yeah. I the only part that I care about <laughs> is Video Boost is allegedly coming in this a future update. Yeah. Video Boost is that <laughs> I I'm interested because they've been they they showed us this feature back when the phone first got announced. Yes. Which was just Pixel 8 Pro is going to be able to take videos in horrible conditions that will look horrible, and then you hit the video boost button, mm -hmm. and it sends your video to a Google server mm -hmm. somewhere where it will process your video overnight and then get you a copy of it back a few hours later, and that video will somehow look amazing. Yeah. And they no one got told to us about it. it. No <laughs> one got to try it. No yeah. one got to send any videos. No one got to upload anything. They just said, trust me, here's a before and the after. And it looked amazing. And I was like, when can I do this? And they were like, coming soon. Yeah. I was like, great. And they made a big deal about this in early October, and then nobody got to play with it. So allegedly, we're going to be able to try it soon. Allegedly. I'm so excited. Yeah. I have my Pixel 8 Pro right next to me. I will be testing it on all kinds of horrible looking videos and mm -hmm. seeing what comes out of it yeah. whenever this drops. And I think that you can upload other videos that weren't taken on the phone as well. Yeah, anything in your Google Photos library. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah, so you might find that some videos you took on an, another phone randomly years ago, you can sort of restore. You know how you can unblur photos? Yeah. You can just try it with whatever. You should upload like a 30 second clip of an MKBHD video that already looks amazing and just see what it see does. See what it does? It just yeah. enhances yeah. my jawline HDR. square. My hair looks better. Yeah. Looks, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. And some Squidward Marquez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's enhanced everything. Uh, it's adding night sight video, which is awesome. very cool. So way better night sight or uh, way better low light video. Uh, balance portrait light for harsh shots in photos, which is kind of cool. Mm. So it kind of evens out, it like lowers the contrast on any photos that you put in there. Uh, for portrait lighting, which is cool. Nice. Uh, there is photo unblur is now better at sharpening dogs and cat faces. Oh, yeah. great. Yeah. Cool. So that's a thing. Yeah. Uh, Pixel Fold now has a dual screen preview mode so that people can see how they look when you're taking a picture of them when you have the phone unfolded, it's which has clutch. been a feature since like the Galaxy Fold 1. It's been a feature forever and I know about it on every phone I test, and I still like somehow manage to forget about it and never use it. That's because it's hard to hold your phone like this while it's open and also take a yeah. picture. It is ergonomically pretty weird. Yeah, but it's a thing you can do. Yeah, it's yeah. convenient for people. Uh, Pixel Six and newer can now be used as USB webcams. Cool. So seems like they don't have the like wireless webcam thing. Continuity camera. Continuity camera. However, continuity camera is probably the most annoying feature that Apple's ever shipped because it's like on by default and it's, it takes over your Mac webcam and then the other person's like, why do I just see black? And then you realize your phone's on the table. It's and in it's your pocket. Using the, I, I do this like, so often. And then you know what the first thing that always gets said is, oh, wow. Good to know that even the tech guy still struggles with this sometimes. Like, so no, like, no, it's just a bad feature. <laughs> not my it's fault. It's just a bad feature. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm uh, not a fan. So you can use it with a USB cable now, which is better because it's intentional. Sure. Um, there's now a cleaning option for receipt photos that will remove smudges, stains, and creases in your receipts. That's cool. Which is very specific really for smart. like, you know. I think it's just, I think to, it's documents in general. Yeah. It said receipts on the article that I read, but weird could be okay. documents. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a repair mode now. So if you're getting your phone fixed, it basically safeguards all of your personal data while they're fixing your phone, mm -hmm. which is good. Uh, the Pixel Watch can now unlock your phone if you're wearing it, which that's been a feature in Android for like the beginning of time. 
Yeah. On is, Wear OS since the beginning of time. And even others. Yeah, this is uh, yet another thing on the list of Pixel Watch getting features that have already existed. Yeah, like trusted Bluetooth devices has always been a thing in Android. Yeah. So Welcome to the party, Pixel Watch. That's strange. Uh, call screen now shows up on the Pixel Watch, which is cool. So you get the transcription and oh, everything on your watch. Nice. Which now, is nice. You, I don't know if you'll be able to send the prompts back. Yeah. Like if it's some UPS guy, can you hit the button on the watch that says leave the package? Or is it going to not have a I don't know. Room? That'd be nice. I'll tr- I'll, yeah, that would be nice. You do it without pulling out your, your phone. Exactly. Uh, and then the Pixel tablet, if anyone's still buying that thing, because it's so buggy. Uh, now get spatial audio and clear calling also with um, Pixel Buds. Game changer. Yeah. Right. Totally. Spatial audio out of a tablet. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. That um, is a lot of stuff. It's good just because we know this is going to keep getting updated and these phones are, you know, they're promising seven whole years. So we're going to continue to get cool stuff on the latest generation oh, of right. Pixel, Pixel 8 and 8 that's Pro. That's so many years. It's a lot of stuff. So this yeah. is just the first of many feature drops to expect on those. Yeah. And uh, we'll let you know how good Video Boost ends up working. So yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we get to try that soon and then we can make a short or something on it. Yeah. See how it goes. Hopefully it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, you wrote Toyotathon. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you write that? <laughs> just as a joke. The last two pieces of news are uh, EV related, uh, Toyota news and Honda news. So I wrote Toyotathon and Happy Honda Days. Oh my god. Yeah, because for those not in America, at least I don't know if they do this in other countries, but there's like a meme about at the end of the year when Toyota's trying to sell more cars, they're like, it's Toyotathon, it's brand new, lower prices on our cars. They do do that. And then Happy Honda Days is Honda's version of that. Yeah. Uh, but Toyota announced that it has two new EV crossover concepts coming by 2025, which is pretty nice because the BZ4X was a terrible car, and it was... I uh, finally saw one. There's one in my neighborhood that I see all the time. Oh, really? And it's bedazzled to Wh- crap. Oh. Yeah, there's like... There's literal bedazzles all over it. I did see one in California, and I looked. I, I've never actually sat in one or like really gotten to know the BZ4X, but it seems like nobody buys them. Yeah, I mean, I it just has terrible reviews across the board. Awesome. So yeah. like iPace vibes. Uh, yes, cool. and and I think that isn't that the one that the Subaru, the new Subaru, is based on as well. That yes, EV Subaru. That's a bummer and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but apparently they're going to be building new EVs by 2025. So there's an urban SUV launching in Europe in 2024. Urban SUV. Yeah, which draws inspiration from the Yaris Cross, which if you click this link, that's like a very, uh, oh, it doesn't have a photo of it. Okay, I'm Googling GR Yaris instead. Oh, that's a car. (laughs) That's a much more car than before. Yeah, that's fine. that's That's definitely a car. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that's a, this. It's not a super. That's a different. Okay, thing. maybe I'll restart uh, this section. Gr is it stands for Gazoo Racing. No way. Yep. G a z o o Gazoo <laughs> Racing. Cool. I do a lot of Gazoo Racing actually. <laughs> okay. Huh. Interesting. Uh, anyway, it draws inspiration from the Yaris, which you know is a car for sure. Uh, it's, it's got, (laughs) yeah, it's gazooed. It's gazooed. It's got front and all wheel drive options and two battery tiers. Nice. Yeah. We don't know as much about the crossover, which is, uh, going to be coming in 2025. So a little bit later. Also, they previewed next generation batteries that are being planned to launch in 2026. And there are two different types of batteries that they're launching. 
Uh, the first will use a conventional structure, which will be two times the range of their current battery modules, which is pretty crazy. That should be like really, really good range by 2026. Uh, and the second type will be a 20% higher range, but 40% lower cost than the BZ4X battery. And it's made to drive EV adoption, is what they said. Yeah. And so. by that, they mean ride the EV wave, because Toyota, you're not driving any EV adoption right now. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. absolutely not doing that. But I think that just means they're going to put it in cheaper cars. Sure. Yeah, cheaper cars. Yeah. Um, they also teased progress with their solid state batteries. They say are three to four years away. Let's but go. Those are, they're aiming to be able to charge them from 10 to 80% in 10 minutes. Are we putting any stock in this? Yes. No. Yes. We are? <laughs> like, if this I announcement am. came from anyone else, would it be... Be putting It'd be a big this? deal, yeah. I mean, Toyota has said that they don't really want to put a lot of effort into full EVs until they get to solid state, right? Yes. I just, we've been hearing this for a while. Yeah, we have. <laughs> which is my concern. They said three to four years away, so I mean, that's not as long. Yeah. And they're doing it in partnership with Panasonic, too. It's a, it's mm. a tech share. And they have battery plants in the U.S. I, I have faith in this long play, but I'm also not you know, in the battery biz, yeah, so to speak. But I believe it. Yeah, we shall see. They also need, you know, to build them. They need to first have the tech breakthrough and then build it and then have a factory for it and then start shipping it in cars and then all that other stuff. They definitely have plants. Um, they have plants. Yeah, in multiple continents too. Whether or not they have a battery they're making though, different story. Yeah, we'll check back in in three to four years. Yeah, to yeah see exactly. how they're doing. Okay. Uh, and then the last little piece of EV news is that Honda announced that it's going to show off new models, new EVs at CES. You know what this is? Moto Giganto? No. <laughs> this is a GTA trailer announcement. <laughs> Honda announced that they're going to show off CES cars, which, as we know, is not what's actually going to show. Well, it said new model, new EV series, glo new global EV series. At CES. Yeah, that's true. So it's an announcement of what's going to be a preview of what's going to be a concept. Good for us. We'll have a correspondent at CES this year. Oh boy! To cover all of this great Honda news. Exciting. Yeah. We'll we'll check them out. Yeah. I don't. You know, I I try to be optimistic, but I've seen a lot of cars at CES. Yeah. I've seen a lot of announced new vehicles at CES. Yeah. And there's, I'll say, a bit of a trend with those things. None of them launch. Yeah. Yeah. So, with that in mind, yeah, <laughs> I will yeah. check out whatever Honda shows us at CES. True. What do you mean? The Sony one, oh, no, wait, that one didn't launch. <laughs> no, the one before, oh, no, wait, that one didn't launch either. <laughs> well, the Dyson was pretty, oh, wait, oh, that didn't wait launch. A second, There was a yeah, Dyson car. No there's, way. There is no Dyson car. Okay, but there good. might as well have been a Dyson car. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, so, okay. they apparently have 30 new EVs. They want to have 30 new EVs by 2030. Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> Honda. Damn. Don't we all? Yeah. So. 30 different. That's so many. I know. It's a Imagine lot. going from, how many does Honda make now? How many EVs does Honda make? Do they make any now? I don't think so. At least in the US. Yeah, I don't think they have like any if, EVs. Like when you think of, okay, it's 2020, it's about to be 2024, and the EV leaders in the US are like Tesla, who has five oh, EVs. The Prologue all-electric SUV. Okay. Let's, let's keep that in mind. So it's 2024. Oh, it comes early to next year, it says. Yeah. So Tesla has five EVs. Mercedes has like five EVs. Ford has like three or four EVs. Tesla has four, right? 
Tesla has three Y X S Cybertrucks, five. Oh, you're right. And Honda's gonna have thirty in six years. That seems like a lot. That Honda seems has like a Honda lot. Clarity. If that is that a rings full a bell, EV? Apparently. Oh. Sure. Ford has like Ford. Ford F one fifty has F one fifty Lightning, Mustang Mach E. Yeah, true. I think that's it. I think that's it. Honda's gonna have thirty yes. by twenty thirty. <laughs> okay, I want you to be optimistic here, but that's just how I'm seeing it. Maybe that's just for stock prices. Yeah, they gotta announce something. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. Getting to thirty in six years. We'll see. Sounds good. Shoot for the moon, Honda. I guess with that, with we that, can get to trivia. Let's do it. Highest without going over. Highest without going over for the question that Ellis had. Quick update, though, on the score. Mm. Marquez with 17. Andrew with 12. <laughs> David with 16. Are we going to keep saying Andrew every time? <laughs> every time. <laughs> every time. Andrew still has 12. That's weird. By the way, uh, for the people that have been asking where he is, he is still on parental leave. He should theoretically be back next week. <laughs> All right. First trivia question. Will Andrew be back next week? <laughs> Just kidding. Don't do that to me. Actual first trivia question. What was David's last job? <laughs> just, just kidding again. Real, actual, this time oh, for totally serious triv- trivia trivia question. Uh-huh. Which episode was David's first full host appearance on video waveform, specifically yeah. video waveform? Yeah. And I will accept either a number closest without going over or the topic of the episode it's probably google related but you can't just say google as the topic <laughs> i think it was tech yeah <laughs> i think it was a tech topic that day i don't know i'm not even gonna guess the topic but i have a number i like talking about shoes try not to go over just kidding i don't i'm gonna be off i think all right we have options and remember, this is before David was made a full-time, a regular, every week host. No. Oh. Wait. Oh. Oh. <laughs> we'll send it. Oh my god. All oh, right. Wow. Clearly, my question was not well understood. <laughs> uh, I wrote one hundred and sixty-nine. That is way past the episode in question. Okay. I said yeah, because because this year. Anyway. I'm row 137. All right. I'm going to chalk this up to bad trivia hosting because the correct answer was episode 64. What? A deep dive on the right to repair. Oh. Oh. Yeah, true. David is in the thumbnail and on the full hour of the show. Second question. What was the first car with a top speed of 200 miles per hour? Oh, no. Uh, I have another... We're doing this because David and Marquez specifically asked for 200, number 200 themed questions, of which there are actually not that many. Should have guessed episode 200 for the first episode. Th- oh, wait, this is episode That's- <laughs> This is episode 200. All right, flip them and read. I wrote the Porsche 911. Nope. I said the Koenigsegg Regera. I don't after know what I that is. after I crossed out Bugatti Veyron. 
also don't know what that is. The what? answer was the 1969 Dodge Charger Daytona. Oh, wow. Oh, no. Never going to get that. This car actually has a particularly special link with the number 200 because it was invented after NASCAR driver Richard Petty left the Dodge team, which is noteworthy because Richard Petty has 200 career wins. Exactly. Mm. What did he leave it because of? He left because, and I'm sure a NASCAR account is going to come out of the woodwork and explain this to me better, but essentially Richard Petty was the pretty much the greatest NASCAR driver of all time, definitely the greatest of the 60s. Asterisk, you know, fight me on that if you want. <laughs> they will. He was driving for Chrysler, um, and he wanted to be put in an, in the Dodge, uh, in a Dodge, uh, but unfortunately, uh, Chrysler kept him in a Buick because they wanted to sell more Buicks, and he was this big celebrity. So he left for Ford, which had just developed a new super aerodynamic car that was very much faster than the rest of the NASCAR field. So Chrysler, I mean Dodge, said, we need to build the most aerodynamic car we can. So they went to Chrysler, their parent company, which also had a military wing, and asked the Chrysler Missile Division to design a body kit for the 1969 Dodge Charger. That's how he got the Daytona. It's why it looks like... Uh... Yeah, but why did he leave? Oh, because they wouldn't give him a car that he wanted, so he raced for Ford instead. That sounds pretty petty. I literally was just trying to make that joke the whole time. Wow. You really <laughs> let me go on. Well, I asked you the question. You just told me the different answer. My kids, read us out. <laughs> Thanks again for listening and watching this week. We learned a lot, including the first car that ever went 200 miles an hour. I have one more thing I want to say. Go for it. Uh, the person who is in charge of responsible Gen AI at Google, her name is Jen Gen AI. Gen Gen AI, but it's spelled Gen AI. Is she an AI? That okay. And she's a real human being. There are I'm kind of a little bit obsessed with people with perfect names for their professions. Yeah. I've brought this up before. Yeah, we've talked about it here. I've talked I've talked about it already. That might be <laughs> the greatest match of a name to a profession like, ever seen. This can't be Gen real, AI. right? Like, Her name is Gen AI. Gen, Gen, Gen AI. AI. <laughs> Jen, can we talk about this? This is amazing. I know. Shout out to Jen. Send okay. Out to Jen. No, that's there's a, no way. That's amazing. I'm sure it's pronounced Gen AI, but not to me. Well, shout out to Jen. All right. Gen AI. Um, with that, with that, let Tim cook. We'll, uh, we'll catch you guys <laughs> in the next one. Waveform is produced by Ellis Roven and Adam Molina. We are part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Our intro outro music is by Vane Sill. All right, let's do it. You got it working? No, I'm just signing in. Oh. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? 
not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right, $25 a month, every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.